All right, thanks everybody for tuning in the Shore Thing. Sure thing here on October 1st. Warren Shore here with Ryan Silva. We'll give you our picks for the college football and NFL weekends coming up. Uh, but first, I guess we'll have to talk about the Yankees-Indians game last night since someone decided to start eating their breakfast for the second day in a row right when we are going to record. But Ryan, go ahead. Talk to us about the Yankees-Indians game last night. They won. The Indians yeah. lost. There you go. That's my breakdown. That's it was it. a good game. It was a good game. That was a good game. Yeah. Uh, I laughed at the Yankees at plus 350 when they were down 4-1. Literally about 10 minutes before Gio hit that grand slam. So I liked that. Uh, live bet them again when the Indians tied it up 8-8. Eight to eight, And uh, that was a little bit, you know, it was like minus 110 or something like that. And uh, the reason the Yankees don't have a World Series in the last three years or four years is because Aaron Boone doesn't know how to manage his bullpen. They haven't won a World Series since 2009. Right, but they should have had one in the last three or four years is what I'm saying. Because Aaron Boone does not know how to manage that bullpen. I mean, they still won. He managed it pretty well last night, didn't he? No, there's, do? there's no way. I, I would have liked to see Adovino back out there after uh, Lasawaga, whatever. I can never pronounce his last name. After he finished that finished that inning, it should have been Adovino out there. Should have never brought him out again. And sure enough, he gives up a double to a guy that hit 192 on the season. To, but Luplo has been great the last couple weeks. Okay. Yeah, see, but I, I just don't, I just don't think I, I'd rather have – the hard stuff with the hard breaking slider when you're trying to get ground balls, trying to get out of innings, you know, trying to trying to obviously just just preserve the uh, the lead, and Lasuaga doesn't have doesn't have the stuff. Well, isn't Adavito been pretty bad this whole year? I've heard everybody Not say the he's whole been bad. year. I mean, he's been he's hasn't been great, but I still have more faith in his stuff than than I do Lasuaga. Yeah, he hasn't been he hasn't been good at all this year. Well, I mean, like I said, not at all. He hasn't been good. Uh, the last last month or so of the season, but still, I'd still I'd still prefer to have his his hard breaking stuff out there. What do you think their chances are against the Rays? <sighs> Man, if, I mean the Rays are. I mean the, the the good thing is you know our offense is finally healthy again, so you know we were able to score what ten runs or whatever it was to to win that ball game two weeks ago. We wouldn't have been able to do that, um, so that you know makes me feel a little bit better but Glasnow and and Snell are pretty nasty right now and that offense for the for the Rays is rolling so we'll see how it goes i mean i think it's going to go i think it's it's going to be a uh you know a long series so i, I you know i will be, pre- be be prepared for that luckily Cole is going to be ready for monday so it's unfortunate that Bieber had his his worst outing of the season uh the other day for for the tribe well it doesn't matter they should have won last night so but it's baseball. What's gonna, that's going to happen. It's going to happen. The Indians relied on their pitching, and their pitching was pretty bad the last two nights. So what are you going to do? And the offense did enough to win the other night, or last night, and they just couldn't get the, couldn't get the job done. So what are you going to do? Uh, I think we need robot umpires. I know I've been saying that forever, but that guy strikes on last night was ridiculous for both teams. I mean, he was terrible for both teams, but we need robot umpires immediately. Because it was an abomination of that strike zone last night. I know you are totally against robot umpires, which I don't understand. But seriously, there's no way you could watch that game last night and look at the way he called it for both teams and be like, how do you not want just an automated strike zone? Because I think that's part of the game. I think that's part of it. The same way the, the NBA, these players have learned to draw these flop calls where they don't even get touched. That's now part of the game. Uh, the same way... Uh, Jalen Ramsey was able to sell that pass interference call against Michael Gallup. That's part of the game. I think it's just part of it. You know, he, like you said, he was bad for both sides. I would, I would hear your argument more if he was, if you felt like he was sliding uh, the Indians a little he bit more. He was sliding the Indians big time last night. He was. I mean, I'll I, send you the charts. I'll send you the pitch charts. I, mean, I don't, I don't really care to see them. I know I don't you care, don't. But, but I mean, want, so either you way, said, you want it, You just said you wanted to see evidence of him sliding, and I can send you the pitch chart. I didn't say that. I said I would see if you felt like he was sliding the Indians more. Well, obviously, you're, obviously, you're, yeah, obviously, obviously, you're going to feel that way. That's fine. I don't care. I mean, like I said, it, it doesn't matter to me one way or the other. I, I think it's part of the game. I mean, you you heard you heard you heard Aaron Boone getting after him there late in the game too. So, like I said, obviously, he felt like they're getting the short end of the stick, the strike zone at times. So. Again, it's part of the game to me. I don't, I don't really care to see automated strike zones. Uh, if you're doing automated strike zones, then I want automated referees across all four majors. Well, you know, that's not going to happen because it's different sports for different rest for everything. We have replay review 
for for stuff in the NFL. Why can't we not get replay review for balls and strikes? I mean, you want to get you, you thought that game was long last night? I mean, that would have been a seven hour game. I'm not saying you got to replay review every single ball and strike, but you maybe get three in the whole game, and you got to pick and choose when you get one, when to save it. Yeah, for maybe. A big spot. Maybe, but. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of this has. I mean, a lot of that. I know the one you were you were real pissed about was that, that I forget who was pitching that curveball that broke off the table right at the right at the knees. But uh, in the ninth was, inning? No, 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 no. It wasn't at the ninth inning. It was earlier in the game. Oh, the um, one I'm pissed about is the one to Torres when it was a two-two count. It was literally at the oh, bottom yeah. of the zone. Yeah, no, no. He, he, he missed that one. He missed that one. He missed that one 100. percent Does that garbage after that? That chopper that goes barely out of the infield or yep. barely over again i think it's part of the game for i mean, I mean I all for all fans for all fa- i mean all, all 30 fans uh you know face the same stuff it's agreed. just no agreed but one I'm day saying, or one way or the other could fix this issue how many times have we heard about strike zones for one team being unfair at different points of the game for each other well we could correct that issue with literally one thing it's the easiest thing and it's coming it might be in five years or ten years, but it's gonna come sooner or later. I just don't understand why now, why we don't, why do we have to do the human element? Why is why does the human element have to be a part of the game? It doesn't have to be a part of the game. It really doesn't have to be. Everything right. else, we don't want the human element to make any mistakes. We we correct the human element at first base when there's a bad, when they have a bad call there, like the guy you think in the. Uh, Astros game the other day against the Twins on Monday made two terrible calls at first base. They immediately changed those because it was so bad. That's correcting the human element. So why can we not correct it on something that balls and strikes that's not supposed to be uh, subjective to whatever the home plate umpire is? Look, I hear your I hear your argument loud and clear. I just again, I mean, you're not going to change my mind one way or the other. I'm, I'm, I'm really not looking to change your mind. I'm just saying that's the argument of why why should we have to have something that's subjective to everybody. Uh-huh. When it's literally not supposed to be subjective, it's supposed to be from the knees to the letters and on the plate. So, well, I mean, you could also make the, I mean, there, that see the knees to the letters thing. I mean, how many times do you see balls really get called at the letters? You don't. It's really like knees to belt is what the strike zones become, or the, or, or or the, the belly, mid- the belly button. Gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not knees to letters anymore. So. I mean, first off, let's get a true understanding of what the strike zone needs to be or should should be. I mean, I think that needs to be known across the uh, across the base. Got to make strike zone. We'll give that to you. Okay. I mean, if if I mean, I, I don't disagree. Obviously, if we're using lasers or computers or whatever it may be, but for right now, I'll I'll enjoy this while while it's uh, while it lasts the human element because I like I said, I think it's part of the game. I think there's some gamesmanship when it comes to framing. I mean, you take all, you take a, a great amount of skill away from away from catchers when you don't have to worry about receiving or or, or uh, uh, framing the ball at all. I think that's a good part of the game. You know, you're, I, if you have, I, if, you have a, if, if you have a really good catcher, you have a, you know, uh, a big advantage over the other team. So, again, I think that's yeah. part of the game as well. So that takes all of it out of there. You can just put, you know, literally anybody. Gary Sanchez would be a fine catcher back there if we had an automatic strike zone. Well, we still can't catch the ball. <laughs> yeah. So fine catcher was an understatement. But all right, we'll go over to our picks. I don't really want to talk about the Indians at all. So um, we'll get on to our picks. College last week, I went eight, two, and one. What'd you go last week in college? Uh, seven, six, and one, I believe. All right, so I'm 16, 11, and one um, on the season. And this week, big game in Aggieland. That's probably the biggest game of the week. Well, there's a couple big games with the SEC. It's uh, Texas A&M versus Alabama. This is the 2.30 game, and then the game on, uh, what is it, ABC is, uh, or ESPN is, Alab- or is uh, Auburn at Georgia, uh, number four versus number eight. That's the other big one. Other than that, what are you uh, checking out this weekend for college football? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, let's see if Texas is any good against TCU um that's that was really that's really um all I had my eye on Georgia Auburn you you mentioned um you know we'll see if Auburn is is actually good we'll see if Georgia you know can get off to a better start than they did last week against Arkansas that I think that game had a lot of people worried early on when you go into halftime and it's seven five um but uh the one thing that's kind of a heartbreaker for me is that BYU is playing on Friday because that's kind of become the uh the Hawaii game on the weekend the the late game but uh so they're playing Friday, so we don't get that. So our last game literally starts at seven o'clock, and then that's that's it. 
Yeah, that's what happens. I mean, that's what's happening right now. The thing about Georgia that's interesting, too, I think they've changed their quarterback in the middle of the game. Yeah. Uh, last week. And again, this is what I went. This is what I was going back to saying last year. I seriously cannot believe that Kirby Smart decided to keep Jake Fromm over Justin Fields. Like, I don't understand that. Like, that is, I know you want to be loyal to your guy, but that is probably one of the dumbest moves a head coach has made. Dabo Sweeney always pre- preaches loyalty to his guys. Well, guess what? He benched Kelly Bryant for the better guy in Trevor Lawrence, and they won a national title. Kirby Smart isn't going to win a national title with with uh, didn't win one with Jake Fromm because he blew it, and then he's not going to win one this year with Georgia. He could have had a chance with Justin Fields. He could have had it for two years, but he decided not to. I seriously cannot understand how. If you're a Georgia fan, you can sit and watch Justin Field tear it up at Ohio State and think our coach literally had this guy and decided to play Jake Fromm over him. I just I cannot fathom that. I I, I still I can't believe it. Yeah, it's um it's a little uh, funny how his last name is Kirby Smart because I think we've seen uh quite a few of his uh, decisions are not so smart. That being the biggest glaring one uh, is is how he totally mismanaged the uh, that that quarterback situation. But he he gets crap a lot for for not being the brightest tool or the, the brightest tool in the shed, the brightest crayon in the box. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that, it definitely hurts as a Georgia fan when you're like I said, you're going down seven to five in, in the first half against Arkansas, who isn't you know they're I don't think they're favored in a single game all year, and you're supposed to be big bad Georgia, you know right? You're supposed to be the dogs. You're supposed to be competing for that SEC East title every single year. And then you think you might lose game one to Arkansas, but uh, they still they still have you know they still they're still gonna have your five star guys. They're still gonna have dudes that are able to to get it done. But I just don't know. If, I think Kirby's smart. I think his I don't think his seat's hot, but I think it is gonna be getting a little warm. Well, the thing is, who are they gonna get that's better than Kirby Smart if they let him go? I don't think you're really gonna get it. Like, who who are you gonna get? That's the that's the thing when you make a coaching change. Who is who? is going to be better than what you already have. Or are you going to upgrade? Right. I don't, like, it's a crapshoot. You're not going to get Ryan Day. You're not going to get, you're not getting Saban, Dabble, like any of the Coach O, like any of the best coaches out there. I mean, there's only now, once Coach O won, I think there's three coaches, four coaches that have actively, active coaches that have won a national champion, Dabo Championship, uh, Dabo, Jimbo, Coach O, and Saban. Because Urban retired, like I think those are only the guys that have done it. So you're really taking a leap of faith, I guess, in someone when you've already got some guys like in George's case, Kirby Smart, that probably not the best game manager, but you're going to be getting good. You're going to be getting good um, uh, recruiting classes in. So that's something you have to balance there. I am telling. I know. I am looking forward to the Aggie Alabama game. I know uh, you, you. We're both not high on Kellen Mond, and I know they struggled last week against Vandy, but they have a ton of talent. And I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win. It does help that Bama. You don't have to go in the full environment there, but I think they could definitely keep this close. And this is like the barometer test of if Jimbo in year two how we stack ourselves up with the full recruiting class and like, how is this, how is it going under him so far? Yeah, no, I, I think as long as, as long as I said this last week, as long as, long as Kellen Munn's back there, excuse me, taking snaps, this A&M team isn't going very far. Um, I don't, I, I don't think this is going to be a barometer game. I think it's going to be a barometer game of seeing just how bad things are with Kellen Munn back there. And uh, I, I think Alabama is going to be able to take this game handedly. Um, they do have. I, I, I think a ton of talent is a bit of an overstatement. Uh, they do have some talented guys. Um, they, I think, they lost quite a few uh, more talented guys than they had, uh, or excuse me, than they have now. But uh, I just, I just don't see this game going anywhere near uh, in in A&M's favor. You know, like like you said, you're not saying they're going to win, but I, I don't even think it's going to be close. I just think that if you're an Aggie fan, you have to say, like, hey, we want to compete for SEC West titles. Well, this is a team that wins the SEC West practically every year. So, yeah, we need to see some progress this year, even if Kellen Mond – well, you're hoping to see progress in Kellen Mond because Jimbo's been the guy that's been the quarterback whisperer. And Mond, 
not good, but he kind of has progressed in the positive direction the last three years. Now he's going into his fourth year. So it's like you got to hope he can take another step forward. Like you need to see the positive. You need to see Jimbo's coaching take over here. And that's 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 what you brought him in for, to get the guys that maybe aren't the best quarterbacks or help develop the quarterback. So can we see him develop a guy that clearly struggles passing or build the offense around Mon so, so you can do something like I, I – I know you don't think it's going to be close, but I think this really is a barometer game, though, when you're looking at the – because the Aggies think they're better than what they are. Right. So this is a barometer game of thinking we can compete. Like, they think they can compete in the SEC. They should compete in the SEC. Once they got more resources than practically anybody. They just funnel money into that place. So they should be. So this should be a barometer game. And you got your coach. You're paying them $75 million over 10 years. Like, this is your guy. You need to see results early on. That's why I'm saying it's a – it's a barometer game, and I know you're on a Kalamon, but it, it shouldn't really matter. This is this is why you got Jimbo in. No, yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. And Kalamon, he really struggles when he's under pressure. And well, you, you know you're going to see a ton well, of pressure from Alabama. I mean, there, there's guys that, that are able to, you know, he, he he's very erratic back there. He, 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 I know what you're saying, who doesn't struggle when they're under pressure. I mean, there's guys that do better under pressure. There's guys that do well under pressure. He just doesn't. And he, that's when he start, when he starts trying to throw the ball on the run, getting out of the pocket, and that's when he starts making his bad passes. If he has a little bit of time, again, obviously, a little bit, you know, obvious, if, if you have some time in the pocket. But I'm not saying he needs, you know, seven seconds. If you give him three, four seconds back there to, to maybe make a read or two, uh, then he, you know, will be a little bit better. But, again, with this, with this Alabama defense, um, uh, you know, as good as they are, I don't know how I – wouldn't, I wouldn't, one game in, I, it's, you know, it's tough to say – that it's as good as it always is, but you can only assume. Um, I think they're. I think he's going to see a ton of pressure, and uh, that's going to be you know the the big part of the game plan there for for Bama to get him out of the pocket and try to make those throws on the run. So again, yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. It's a barometer game to see where they stack up, but again, I think it's going to they're they're going to be surprised about how high they don't stack up. Um, yeah, no, I understand. I understand what you're saying too, but I'm just saying for like everything that the program wants to be you need to see like this is a prove it you don't have to win to say prove it but you got to kind of keep it keep close, it close. Be like okay yeah. we're in the right we're going in the right direction because yeah, if fair. they don't get huh no no i say yeah that's fair because if they get blown out then it's gonna then all the aggie jokes are coming in which deservedly so it's like they always think they're better than what they are but uh also we got texas tcu that should be pretty fascinating i think see how texas Pulled out the rabbit out of the hat. TCU, I don't, I don't really know how good they are. Uh, they just, they seem like under Gary Patterson, this is like the worst offense they've had. I don't really know what to make of TCU, but Texas, how good the defense is. I mean, I don't think TCU is a great offense, so we'll see how good the defense is. So that's the other, I guess that's the other game I'm looking forward to. I guess I don't. Other than that, it's it's honestly a kind of a light, a light slate. There's no the ACC doesn't really have any good games. Kind of a light, good game week. Oklahoma, Iowa State. I mean, anytime they go to Iowa State, that's tough for them. And I, uh, I mean, I like Brock Purdy. I think he's good. So we'll have to see how Oklahoma bounces back. I mean, I don't think Oklahoma's making it to uh, the playoff now. They're all but done. So yeah. Uh, but I think that's those are like the four big games of the. Uh, of the weekend, unless you have anything else. No, yeah, just that Georgia Auburn game. Uh, you know, everyone was on Kentucky last week against Auburn. Uh, Bo, Bo Nix, you know, had a pretty decent game, sixteen of twenty-seven, three touchdowns. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to see him take another step forward. Everything was was there's a bunch of hype about Auburn and him last year, just because of who his dad was and who he was for Auburn. Um, so you know, I see if see if they can keep rolling again against the way Georgia kind of struggled out the gates last week, like we touched on earlier. I just think that's. I think that, that could shape up to be probably the best game of the weekend. Yeah, and but Bo Nix has got a lot of Kellen Mond for me. Like, can't throw the like bad thrower of the ball. Just he he's he's got some Kellen Mond in me there. I I could. I mean, I see what you're saying. You know, everyone whenever whenever someone's a little reckless with the ball, they always want to put the Brett Favre label on him, and I think that's kind of what it is. Is uh, you know that the game against Oregon that he kind of burst on the scene was he he was making some bad passes. But they were just they the team was the players just were coming up with them you know what I mean so he he kind of got uh, put up on a pedestal that I don't think was deserved and so that's why I want to see 
going, you know, going through this season if he's taking a step forward and a little bit smarter and a little bit uh, more conservative with that ball. Yeah, we'll have to see that. All right, you want to start off with your card? Uh, yeah, I can start off with it. So I'm going to go TC, uh, excuse me, Texas TCU over 63. Uh, again, we, we talked about how bad this TCU offense is, but I want to see how good this Texas offense is. They, the, the defense didn't look too good last week against Tech. Uh, I like Florida minus 17 and a half against South Carolina. I think uh, Florida's you know, pretty, pretty good this year. Uh, Eastern Carolina and Georgia State over 69. Nice. Bama, I think they're covering that full 17 and a half. I think it's going to be ugly. I think it has a chance to be like a 24 or 30 point game against AM. Uh, I like Auburn plus six and a half versus Georgia. I don't think they went outright, but I do think they cover. Um, and then I like Ole Miss plus six as well as the over 61 and a half. Who do they play? Kentucky. Oh, are they going to get the over this week? The lane over is going to hit? Uh, did you did you I, I know I touched you last week but did you see how he was trying to get to cover that 14 points last week no I I just I was out on the course I didn't get right to see it, I it saw was that like they were driving it, yeah they were driving it was like 51 to or like 54 to 30 something I forget but he goes for two after the touchdown that they were down 15 he goes for two to try to get or they're down 16 he goes for two to try to cover the 14 they don't get it uh, so I guess it was like 54 to 30 or something like that then they come out there's 26 seconds left. They kick the onside. They get it. He's chucking the ball down the field trying to trying to cover. And it was just kind of comical and funny there that Ole Miss was trying to cover that 14 real bad. But uh, they came up short. Uh, I get, Ole Miss comes up short a lot, so not really surprising. Uh, this week I have the over in Baylor, West Virginia. I also have the over in TCU, uh, Texas. Tennessee minus 11 and a half against Missouri. I don't know why that I think is pretty short. Uh, that's a small number to me. I like Coastal Carolina for a plus three and a half against Arkansas State. Uh, I got the over in North Carolina, Boston College, 54. The Service Academy battle is Navy at Air Force. I'll take the points there. Uh, UCF, that's uh, seven points. UCF minus 21 and a half against Tulsa. And then UNT minus one and a half against Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss is not very good. So that is what I have there. There was also something I wanted to uh, say about college, but I couldn't. Uh, oh, Mississippi State. I'll tell you what, I think this is a danger. I know Mississippi State's playing Arkansas, but this is a dangerous spot. This is this would be typical leech, like at uh, Washington State, like losing one of the years to Portland State in week one or losing to like a game to like a non-conference opponent after you pull off a big win or there's high expectations. I know they're at home. Well, they are at home that makes it a little worse, but Arkansas first half I don't think would be a bad uh, a bad play because I think the I think the dogs could come out a little a little too uh, a little too slow on uh, Saturday night. So you're saying Mississippi State isn't that good? No, I'm not saying that. This is a <laughs> letdown spot, though. Okay. I think Mississippi State's very good. I got friends. I told you they're looking at playoff playoff. What, are we going to the playoff this year? Playoff tickets. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's that's a little overstepping the bounds, yeah. but uh, but uh, hey, they're checking those out. Hey, maybe they make the Cotton Bowl this year. Who knows? Um, but uh, but uh, yeah, they're uh, they could do something. You know, I just think it's going to be a dangerous a dangerous spot. Maybe reading a little too many press clippings of the uh, Clarion Ledger up there in uh, Stark Vegas. All right, to the NFL. We go. The Cowboys have a. Uh, I would say that this is a game everybody circled on the uh, um, schedule as a win before the season as they face the Cleveland Browns. They do have some injuries, but they are getting some good news on the line. It looks like Steele is going to be back. Uh, It doesn't sound like Lyle Collins is going to be playing for a while. I don't know if you saw this earlier in the week, but Lyle Collins had the report or is the report of he's when he starts doing contact, his hip really starts hurting him. And they asked why he's not doing surgery. And he goes, I don't know, maybe if it was like week 10 or week eight and we were like, oh, and seven, I would think about it. So uh, that hasn't been that's not the greatest news there. Tyron Smith is trying to do some one on like individual drills about his uh, West Nile virus fifth neck. Uh, but who knows if he's going to go. The DBs, I think we're still waiting. Uh, Arouzier is out this week, but maybe uh, Anthony Brown uh, comes back. But I, 
I don't really know. Trayvon Dix should play. He played last week. He had the uh, shoulder. He missed a Wednesday practice, so they're still going to be hurting in the secondary. But uh, this is an interesting... I would say this is kind of a clash of styles game, mainly that the Cowboys are... I know everybody wants them to run the ball, but the Cowboys are a passing offense. I think people need to realize that. They're a passing offense. That's their strength. And the Browns are the running attack. They're going to try and keep the ball out of Dak's hands. So on the offensive side, you could you could look at that. And also the Browns' defensive line could cause some pressure. Obviously, Miles Garrett, you have to be aware of him wherever he is on the field. Ogan Joby and Sheldon Richardson have played well. I think Adrian Claiborne, who gives nightmares to the Cowboys, is going to be playing more this week. And Olivier Vernon's back. So they got a pretty stout uh, front front four. But the back seven is really bad. I think Greedy Williams is coming back this week, so that should help. And Denzel Ward might play a half, but he's got the groin thing. So who knows? But the Cowboys, the key to success for the Cowboys is obviously it's going to be stopping the Browns' running game to make to have Baker make plays down the field. And then they're going to have to pass. Like the, the way the Cowboys are going to have to just eat the Browns' secondary up. It's not good. So I think this Dak's going to put up some big numbers this week. Like this is. This is a game you got to put up big numbers. And Dak under pressure this year, not great. He's 43% in uh, completion percentage. Yards per attempt is way down at 6.6. Hasn't thrown a touchdown and two interception. And he's got the 29th worst quarterback rate or the 29th ranked quarterback rating uh, in the league. So I don't. Under pressure, which the Browns can get pressure, it's going to be uh, a t- tough sledding if he's under duress all day. And the thing, too, about the Cowboys is they've had. The last two games, they've had three turnovers. So are they going to be able to control the ball, hold on to the ball? Yeah, no, I think uh, a big part, like you said, obviously the Cowboys are going to come out shooting, throwing the ball. Um, if they can contain Miles Garrett in that pass rush from the Browns, I think they should be in decent shape there because they will be able to eat that, uh, eat up that uh, that secondary there. Um, but I mean, you hit you pretty much hit every point. So, you know, the, the Browns are going to want to move the ball via the via the run. They're not going to want to put too much on on um, Baker to throw the ball. But I mean, again, if he if he does have to throw the ball, I don't think that's going to be a huge deal. Uh, obviously, you know, you got Jarvis and, and Odell and uh, and Higgins, and I think an underrated guy who who still hasn't really gotten started, and I I don't know if he will, but he needs to. Is is Austin Hooper because the the uh, Cowboys linebackers aren't great at covering tight ends. We saw Greg Olson have a decent game against them last week. They, you know, there's been a, you're you're able to move the ball with the tight end a lot. You know, pick up those short yard situations, those six, seven, eight yards with the tight end. So I think they if they need to pass the ball, they need to get the tight ends involved there. Uh, but uh, you're you're right. It's it's going to be a clash of the clash of the styles here. If Alden Smith can get to Bay. That's going to be, you know, put a lot of uh, pressure on him, and uh, they're going to have to, you know, if, if, if the Browns get down early, I think that's going to be a wrap for them because, you know, trusting Baker to, and this this isn't anything against Baker. I mean, he's, I think he's a, he's a decent quarterback. You know, I just don't know <clears throat> if he's the type that's going to throw you back into ball games, uh, especially depending on how that that Browns defense is is able to contain uh, CD, Amari, and, and Gallup. So uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good game. It should be a good game. Think again. I do think if the Browns get down early, that's probably going to be curtains for them. If they get down like two touchdowns uh, early, uh, you know that it's going to be tough to come back from that unless the the Cowboys start turning the ball over. Because we saw last week the Browns get down in that second half where the Redskins scored 13 straight out of out of uh, halftime, but he turned the ball over and they were able to capitalize. So as long as you know if they're forcing turnovers uh, and, and able to capitalize off that, I think the Browns will be in good good spot. But uh, you know, I think I don't. I, I think this is a coin toss game. I, I think the I think the Cowboys. I would give them the nod, just a just a tad, maybe 65 percent. But I think uh, you know, all things considered, I think this could be a pretty a pretty a pretty good game. The Cowboys also uh, very bad going into like in the first quarter. They're one of the worst teams in the first well first half. Really, they just got off to slow starts. They get off to the slow start. Uh, against Atlanta, obviously, and then even last week they got off to a slow second quarter. They had a bad second quarter against Seattle, so it's that's also why they've had to throw it a lot because they've been down late. I don't know if I say it's – I can see why you think it might be curtains for the Browns at 14 if it's early, but I feel like they could chip away. You could get it down to 7 or 10. The, the, the thing, too, is, is I don't like – so the Bengals' secondary is pretty bad. 
Yeah. And the Cowboys secondary is pretty bad. And I think Odell's going to have a big game. Like, we're still in week four of this. Stif- like, the Browns and Cowboys have a lot of similarities going on here of new coaching staff implementing a system. Like, McCarthy's kind of getting a free pass for how he's been coaching so far. And I don't think he's really been coaching that great. Stefanski, on the other hand, he had a bad week one against the Ravens. It happens. They also got some bad luck at the end of the first half. Um, and then he got away from running the ball, but then he stuck to the game plan against uh, Cincinnati, he stuck to the game plan when they were losing against Washington of running the ball and open up some passing lanes here and there. So I think I think we might see the passing attack open it up a little bit more. The thing, too, is, though, the Browns are the only team in the NFL, I think, that hasn't ran a four-wide receiver set all year. So they only have they have Jarvis and Odell out there. Jarvis still battling uh, a hip injury from the offseason surgery. He's not fully back. He's a couple weeks away. And they run Harrison Bryan and Hooper out there as the two tight ends. So that's pretty much the four wide receivers they roll out there. Or Cotterell Hodge. Higgins, I know I've been high, I was high on Higgins last year. Higgins wasn't active last week. Higgins is not doing anything. Higgins, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he got cut sometime this season. Like, he, he obviously had a good uh, – Second half of the year with Baker, his first year in the league, Baker's first year in the league. Other than that, he's been hurt or he hasn't. I don't know why the coaches don't like him, but it's been uh, uh, Hodge out there now. So I think the passing game might be opening up this week for the Browns. Like I think Odell on the deep shots on the double move is going to be there uh, and they could do some damage on it. Like I don't understand why you just in the first quarter just start to throw a couple deep and see if the Cowboys have fixed the coverage like if they're gonna go two man or are they gonna double team Rodell like why not try and just Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf them for the first take a couple shots early and see what's going on and see what's out there. I don't I don't know but yeah the Austin Hooper thing like you said the thing is they got two really good tight end like Harrison Bryant I think he's gonna be really good. He's a rookie but he caught a touchdown last week. Like him and Hooper they're doing more than just pass like they're big in the blocking game and the run game. Like they're good blockers so yeah, they got to get him more involved, but uh, right now it's just the running attack, and they're not really throwing it that much. But I think this they might see the uh, passing offense open it up a little bit more for the Browns this week. And I'm interested. I, I, I think this is a big test for the Cowboys' defense, though, because would you say the Cowboys' defense are good against the run or not? I mean, they gave up 122 last week. Yeah, and no, I don't think they have been great running. Yeah, not not great. Um, you know, a lot of that has to do, I think, with with Van Der Esch being out. You know, not having not having that support in the in the run game. So, I mean, I wouldn't say they're great. You know, they're definitely not good against the rush. I wouldn't say they're one of the worst teams against the rush. But um, I don't know. I think that I think this will be uh, kind of uh, uh, you know theme of the show today is a, you know a, a barometer test to see where they stack up against a, a good running game because they're probably going to see plenty more if they you know if they plan on making the playoffs or anything like that. Um, so I think this is a good barometer game for that too. And, and, and on your point about the double move and, and taking deep shots, I think the double move is going to be huge against Trevon Diggs because he, he likes to play aggressive. And so if he sees, you know, he, whether it's Odell taking that slant, he's going to try and jump that route and then boom, next thing you know, uh, you know, he hits him with the, with the slant and go or something like that. Uh, I think that could be, that could be a weak point for the Cowboys there. And, and if they have second, if they have help over the top, with a safety, then good. If not, then I think they're like you said, they're going to be able to to Tyler Lock and DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf them. Yeah, and I think like I look, I think Odell's frustrated with his role in the offense, but he sees he sees a plan for how they can win, and that's mainly what he wants to do is to win. So he, he I think he knows his his time's coming to shine in the offense. Might just take a couple a couple more weeks or later down in the road, but I think. He should probably still get his thousand yards and some touchdowns. It's just, it's going to take some time to build him into the offense. So, um, but yeah, and I think we need to see some like improvement in McCarthy coaching. Like I, I like if, if imagine if J I know he didn't really mention this, but imagine if Jason Garrett had a, had a coaching display, like he, like, McCarthy had in Seattle. They would have been, no, it's time to fire him. And I'm not saying you fire a guy after three, three games, but there is definitely a honeymoon period with McCarthy and how much people want to criticize him or not. And if they get off to another slow start, I think that might be ending in week four. I think uh, McCarthy's going to get a pass because of what happened uh, in Atlanta or not in Atlanta, but against Atlanta. 
You know what I mean? So I, uh, I think he, uh, you think, you think they get off to another slow start, say they lose this game, mm-hmm. but I don't, you think if you're a new head coach, you got to see your guys come out hot and like, one oh, yeah. of the, like one of the yeah. first four games. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, you do, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, kind of like you're saying they're working, trying to work Odell into this offense. Maybe they're still, still trying to find their way for, for this Cowboys offense. I don't know. I think, or, uh, no, I'm not talking about the offense. Really. I'm talking about like his game management, his coaching decisions, his in-game like decisions. His coaching decisions, and game management, that, that type of deal. Yeah. Like, the offense is going to come and you can, the pass offense has been great. I'm just talking more about like him coaching, like game you know what I, I I think I think it might be a case and this isn't a shot at you I think this is the case for a lot of people is that the, we were giving Mike McCarthy a little too much credit coming in for being smarter than he actually is well he talked himself up to be smarter than <laughs> well of course he is he's not gonna say hey you know uh, I don't know if I'm qualified for this job I ain't that smart um but I think I think just because you know Aaron Rodgers might have been able to come up cover up a lot of blemishes for him out there in Green Bay for a long time I've after these first three games i think that's the case i think uh you know mike mccarthy isn't quite the uh the genius that everyone thought he might be it was like the job interview then he just made up this all this stuff and he had william fox come out to do a piece on him and then yeah. and that ran in december and you could see what he was doing in the barn like I, he needs to go back to the barn and like get a quick like refresher on what he learned up there like, i don't know <laughs> what is going on seriously he had fox come out and do a piece for nfl fox sunday or whatever yeah and no, i remember I, and everyone's like, holy cow, this guy, this guy looks like a changed guy. He's evolving with the times. And that's what you want to see, coaches evolving with the times. Because you really have an analytics guy. You, The Browns have an analytics guy in Kevin Stefanski. Like that fourth and seven he went for last week against the Redskins or against Washington. Most guys don't go for fourth and seven on their own 40 or on the other 40. Like right. most of them would probably punt it. Like that's an analytics move of tr- also trusting your guy. And then they throw it short of the sticks, but they get it like that's that takes some guts and trusting. Okay, we're early on in the game. We're down three, I think. Like, all right, let's give it a run here. Like, we'll see the analytics clash of styles this week. Like, one truly buys into the analytics when someone who already does, and that's his main uh coaching thing there. All right, before we get to our picks, we do have our first um postponement of the season. It is kind of ironic that when we talked about you asked me about the masks on uh, on Monday in the afternoon, we find out that Tennessee had positive testing and they don't know if they were uh, if it was positive on Sunday. I assume not since they played in the game, but uh, Tennessee's game against Pittsburgh has been postponed to a later date. Thought it might be played on Monday. Uh, It's not. So maybe it gets to week seven. They'll do some schedule shuffling there. But uh, are you surprised it took to week? Are you surprised that in week four we have our first uh, postponement? And it's pretty fitting, agree with me or not, that Corona Clay, it's his team that's the one that has the first outbreak. Yeah, um, I'm, I am surprised that it, that it took this long. I thought maybe we were going to have an issue, you know, the first couple of weeks, much like we saw with baseball. You know, their, for, their first issue was like the first week of the season. <clears throat> We see how well the bubble works with the NBA and the NHL. Uh, so the fact that the NFL wasn't going to have that, I figured for sure that we we're going to have uh, uh, an issue sooner rather than later. But it's good that it's only that it's only going to be these two teams that are postponed. Uh, obviously, they were looking at the Vikings and uh, was the Texans. Uh, at, they were they had to shut down their their facilities for a little bit too. But now they're all good and clear. I think the rapid testing is obviously helping that situation. We didn't, I don't think we had that back in July when baseball was getting started. Um, but uh, yeah, no. So, so the answer to your question, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that it was you know week four, you know, a month into the season. That's pretty good for you know. It's, I think that's great for the for the players uh, that they're you know. It seemed like following protocols for the most part, and uh, you know they're they're going to be able to reschedule. So as long as we don't miss a game, I think it'll be fine. It'll all work out. Did you see the story about the Raiders this week, or did you miss this? Uh, I'm I I don't know. Okay, so the not. Raiders on Monday couple i think five players five or six players went to like a charity event uh-huh. in vegas and like none of the state protocols were followed and Derek carr was one of the guys there and they there was a big worry that one of them could have got the virus while they were there like i don't think any of them have tested positive uh-huh. but just blatant disrespect of any protocols that the nfl put in so the interesting thing was you know how the nfl find 
uh, all the coaches for yeah. wearing masks. It's up to the teams when it comes to the players who violate, if they punish it. And people are wondering if they're going to suspend Derek Carr for breaking those violations or if it's just going to be a free pass because if Derek Carr wasn't there, would they suspend the other guys to make an example out of him? But since it's a starting quarterback, what are they going to do? And then I saw they play the Bills this week. And I saw uh, Tredavious White, who was a player who opted out at the beginning, but then opted back in before the deadline. So he's been very careful with this whole situation. Was like, he's, he said on Tuesday that when he saw that about the Raiders, he was nervous about playing the Raiders this week. He goes, these guys just blatantly disrespected all the rules that we have. And he goes, I'm, I really need to see a uh, negative test before I feel really comfortable out there to play because he could be putting other people at risk. And I found it interesting that a player from another team where they're facing this week, like spoke up about that. Like I thought I found that how guys are really looking around the league of who's taking it seriously and who's not like I commend Odell for like starting streaming on YouTube on Monday and Tuesday nights. Cause I assume on Monday nights, he's usually going out and partying. So at least he's mm-hmm. doing something in these times of changing up what he does. Like I find like I, uh, like I commend guys for staying in the bubble or doing what they have to do to play uh, football. So they're now putting them, their team, and then other players on other teams at risk. Yeah, no, I think that's the biggest thing because you know if if uh, I mean kind of what I've been what I've been saying this whole time about about the whole coronavirus thing is like if if you're taking the proper protocols or you know taking the proper uh, what do you whatever you want to call it you know you're doing what you need to do to make sure you don't get it, then by all means do that. But then if you're not, and then you're going, if you're not, then stay in your own lane. Like if you're not going to be wearing your face mask, you're not going to be doing whatever, like that's fine. But once you start, you know, bringing yourself around other people who are trying to, I think that's when it becomes an issue. Um, and I think Tredavious Wright is 100% correct. And I think, you know, like you said, you know, you, you tip your hat to him for, for coming out and speaking out against uh, players from the other team. And uh, and saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm trying to take care of myself, trying to take care of my family, make sure we don't get sick, whatever. We're following all the proper protocols the NFL put in, whatever our states is saying. We're doing all that. And then you guys are just going to go out and, and disregard that. It's disrespectful to your teammates who you're putting in, in jeopardy. It's disrespectful to uh, uh, you know your opponents who you're putting in jeopardy. So I, I like I said, I tip my hat to Tredavious White. And I think he's 100% right and hit the nail on the head with that assessment of, of, of Derek Carr and company. Um, all right, here. So we'll get to some picks. Uh, what was your? You said at the what, we just did college record at the beginning. What was your NFL yeah. last week? I went three and two. I had a terrible week. I went one and four last week. Gotcha. So I'm nine five and one on the season. What are you? What does that lead for you on the season? Eight and seven. Eight and seven. Okay, you're above five hundred. I am. But nine five and one. All right. So the the uh, two and three week for the uh, for the model. We'll go through the models pick this week. They got Atlanta plus seven, Dallas minus four, New Orleans minus four, Washington plus 13, and um, Minnesota plus four and a half. See, I knew that Washington line was a little inflated uh, when I was looking at the Supercard. I was like, I mean, I know they're not great, but a two-touchdown dog, I mean, come on. So what What? What? What are the... We got a nine, uh, nine point eight six. Nine point eight six. Okay, nine point. I'd say yeah. the 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 biggest discrepancy. So that was around what three three point two points. Yeah. Um, Minnesota, they got that one. They make it pretty much a coin flip at plus point five five, and then Atlanta's plus seven. They make it plus five. So those were like the two uh, biggest discrepancies. Or those were the three other ones, and the Cowboys were like two point seven. They make it minus six, and then New Orleans, uh, they make it minus 6.3. The Cowboys was minus 6.7. Okay. Um, so, all right, I'll start off with this one. I like the Jets to not in a pick them. You're telling me the Broncos are going to fly two time zones over on Thursday night. I know the Jets are bad with Brett Rippon tonight. Uh-huh. If they, like, this is just riding the home team that doesn't have to deal with all the extra curriculars and stuff. Like the spot game. This is a spot. I'm taking the Jets. Like if they, they don't win this, they should just they should just pack it up. Yeah, they should pack it up. They should pack it up. I like the Chargers plus seven against the Bucks. 
I do like the Raiders plus three at home against the Bills. I got hosed last week with the Rams. I know they were down early, but they came back. That was a bad pass interference call uh, at the end of the game there to open that, to give them a fresh set it down. So I'll go with the Raiders. Robot referees. That's the only way to solve it. Robot, robot referees. Yeah. Yeah, they should have reviewed that pass interference. They just, how about that? That's like an under-talked about thing is they just took away reviewing the pass interference. Right. Well, like, I mean, no it, it, but they, yeah, no, they, they, I mean, that was the plan the whole time. You know, I know what I mean? But, but no one even just like talks about it. It's just like, yeah. oh, all right. It's like everyone forgot that we were able to review pass interference last week mm-hmm. or last year. Um, I like the Dolphins plus six and a half this week against Seattle. It's the longest flight in the league. Seattle's coming. I, the Dolphins haven't played bad. They won on Thursday night. They have extra rest. Again, another spot game. I like the the uh, Dolphins plus six and a half. And I will say, I know you said the line of uh, the Washington games inflated, but I'm going to take the Ravens minus 13. I think Chase Young being out hurts, Was- hurts Washington. And it's also the uh, the Ravens are good against bad teams. Like That's the only teams they're good against. They got embarrassed on Monday night at home against the best team in the AFC. And I think they're going to try and make a statement this week. So I like them minus 13. Okay. Um, so I like, so I got the Saints minus four against the Lions. The Lions kind of, uh, I was shocked at how well they played against the, I, I wouldn't say how well they played, how bad the Cardinals played against them last week. But I like, I will, what? I will say, I know I wanted to uh, clean the slate of the Lions. I might be back on that train again. If it's not for that that collapse against the Bears week one, they're two and one. They and yeah. they got Kenny Galladay back. Like they might have something. Yeah, no, they're definitely different uh, different team when Kenny Galladay's uh, out on the field. I think he's a little overrated for what he does, but he does add an element to that offense that uh, that helps him quite a bit. So uh, I still I still think I'll, I'll take, especially if Michael Thomas is back for the Saints. I'll uh, I'll take that and lay the four. Uh, I'm gonna go back to the train. Let's see if it works out. If not, then I'm abandoning them for the rest of the year. I don't care. We're going Cardinals minus three and a half against Carolina. Um, I'm actually gonna take the Browns plus four and a half. I don't feel great about it, <clears throat> but again, I think it's gonna be a close game. I don't think they're gonna. Oh, four and Carolina. Half. Carolina does. It. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh yeah, Carolina. I was Car- Chargers. My bad. My bad. My bad. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so the Browns minus four and a half, or excuse me, plus four and a half against the the Cowboys. Again, I don't feel great about it, but I do think that if they can keep it close early, and uh, you know, at least maybe even get ahead a little early, I think I don't think they're going out right, but I think they can they can keep this you know to a field goal game or so. Um, I like Minnesota plus four and a half. So good to hear that uh, you know the little computer simulation has them as well right there. I think they're going to find. I think they found their their way with with Thielen. I'm so pissed because I had Justin Jefferson. I drafted him almost every league I could. Dropped him after three weeks or after two weeks because he was getting six targets over two weeks. And then he goes off last week. Uh, I was texting my buddy who I'm in the league with. And uh, we're actually in two leagues together. And we each had Jefferson in each league. And so we were laughing about how how BS that was. Um, this last one, I'm going to change. So originally I had New England plus seven against Kansas City. I don't think New England was going to win. I think they would keep it close, but I'm going to change it. But I don't know what I want to change it to. I just I was thinking about it and kind of talked myself off the ledge there. I think I'm going to – I mean, that Steelers minus two-and-a-half game would have been perfect, right, right, right in this spot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to go 49ers minus seven against the Eagles. I just don't think the Eagles are good. And I think that I think the 49ers got something. I, I they're they're a plug and play offense, and they got enough dudes to do it. Mostert might be back if he's not. I think McKinnon can still get it done, and Jeff Wilson can still get it done. Um, Nick Mullins is is a is a a decent backup. I think that's what I'm gonna go with. Isn't it an indictment though on Garoppolo that it's like a plug and play that he goes out and they really don't miss the beat or not? Oh yeah, for sure. They, yeah, they, they were stupid to spend all that money on him. And I bet you, I bet you, uh, if they could do it back over again, they wouldn't have paid him all that money. But uh, hey, you, you made your bed, now you can lie in it. And I think, uh, I think they, I think that's a plug and play offense. Would you agree or disagree with that? Uh, no, I mean, I don't. I wasn't high on. I know I would agree with that. The thing too is Jeff Wilson. Boy, that was a DFS sleeper I had in last week. Yeah. You need to just keep those out and give him feed the ball. Uh, Feed the ball. Uh, We're going Tampa Bay minus seven against the Chargers. That's what I'm going with. Okay. That's you know stuff. they're out Godwin and I think a couple other guys. They're out Godwin. That's fine. Um, I think that defense is good enough to keep uh, to keep Herberts at bay. Although Keenan Allen went off last week, so did Eckler. Um, 
So, yeah, so we're going to go 49ers minus seven against the Eagles. All right, all right. You know what I've uh, – you were talking about fantasy or whatever. This is the least interested I've been in fantasy football, I think, ever. Like, I'm really contemplating even playing again next year. Wow. I'm not I'm, – I just – I don't know what it is. I just have no – I just really have no desire. Like I'll like DFS. I'm all in on DFS. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the injuries or something. It's just I don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, it's definitely more work. Yeah, it's not the work really. I mean, um, I don't know. I just not. I don't know. The the fantasy football does not give me the. Uh, the juice me it the usually juices. does. Huh? Yeah, that's why I said it's not giving you the juice it usually does. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it. I don't know what it really is, mm. uh, but uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show. Thank God I don't have to hear any more Alex Rodriguez doing baseball because he is terrible. He might be the, I know you like him, but he is, he's bad. He so, is, he, so what he was doing last night, what I had to stop and laugh at a couple times was he like in it and every, every like newer analyst tries to do this where they'll like say like these really like these statements and try to follow it up with what's going on right now you know what i mean like 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 when Gio Urshela was up he was like Gio Gio Urshela drafted by the indians and now showing up big against these indians or something like that you know what i mean like trying to like like trying to build up the the moment and it's like dude alex just let the game breathe just you know, let it you know, let it go. It's fine. Like, but I did see he was trying to do that, and I know a ton of a ton of newer analysts or, or color guys try to do that uh, when they're when they're in the booth. But uh, I mean, he wasn't terrible. It's it, I, I wouldn't have him do any more Yankee games. That's for sure uh, because his you know his uh, his allegiance definitely shows. But uh, I, I like I don't think he's bad. Uh, Vaskersian was well, he wasn't on his his best game yesterday either. The so. Pr- I mean, I'll, I'm willing to give Vasquezian a pass because he's doing it on a screen. Right. Yeah. I could have used a little more excitement when Luplo tied the game up at six. It sounded like it was just a fly ball to right. We gained another out. Like, hey, this is kind of a big moment. I mean, th- I will say the volume I had it on was like a one. Yeah. So because I, I just I wasn't listening. I wasn't. Uh, I didn't want to listen to a Rod just blow the Yankees for five hours. Like, and then he just gets blatant stuff blatantly wrong about the Indian Karen Chuck, not really a hard thrower. The guy's throwing 96, 97. Like, that's what he does. Like, try to make it look like you did some prep. Okay? Just like McKenzie. He's not a hard thrower. Guy throws 95, 96. But yes. see, but see, you got you gotta you got you gotta put it within the context of today's game. 95, 96, that's average. But that's still somewhat of a hard thrower, but he's saying he doesn't throw hard. Give me a break. Let's see, a hard thrower, I would think 98, 99. That's a hard thrower to me. So I don't, I don't disagree. I mean, you, every, everybody nowadays throws 95, 96. Like, that's how you get in the bigs is 95, 96. You want to go play college baseball right now? you got to be sitting 90 as a high school uh, yeah. senior. So, I mean, everybody everybody throws hard now. So, when you in the context of, of the phrase hard thrower, I – look, both McKenzie and uh, Karinchek, you know, very good. I, I you, know how, you know how much I love McKenzie. I've, I've talked I about him when he came out. But when you – and he, he wasn't – even throwing his hardest yesterday. I mean, I, we've seen him touch 97, 98. Was, he was sitting right around. That he's been down since he since he started a little bit. He's yeah. So I mean, he, he, he didn't he didn't pitch at all last year. So he was so he was trying to uh, get his arm built up and stuff. But yeah. it's just like the blatant stuff of just like it didn't even look like you even like tried to prepare going into it. Like that's mm-hmm. my thing. It's just like maybe act like you did some work for the other team, yeah. even though you really didn't. Just try and maybe act like you sounded because there are. The hardcores are going to watch it because you got to sync up the DVR and everything. It's kind of hard to do. So just try and act like you know what you're talking about. Huh? You're on mute. Oh, that was weird. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that happened. I got to be honest. Where, what happened to Tito Francona? He's been hurt. He's managed, or he's been out with like some gastrointestinal issue. He hasn't managed. He's managed like eighteen games this year. I had no idea. I don't know yeah. when or where I missed that, but you know they were talking about Sandy Alomar yesterday, and I was like, "Wait, what happened to Tito?" Like I know he didn't get fired, but I didn't realize that he had had an issue, and I didn't even think about it uh, to look it up. I was just like, I was just like puzzled to myself. 
because I was like, what the hell? Where where did I miss this that that he's not managing right now? But uh, interesting, interesting. I did not I did not know that. When so so what? He managed like the first eighteen games. Has been out since. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he, I don't think he's managed since August fifteenth. Me. I mean, it's been. Say he's been at the helm for like 40, 45 games. Wow. This, like 40 games this year, pretty much two thirds of it. He didn't, Franco didn't make it uh, half the season. He's been at some of the games. He just, I, he's been at progressive field when they've been at home. But um, yeah, I mean, Sandy's, I, I mean, I don't know. He had a rough stretch a couple of weeks ago. He was, he was fine yesterday. I mean, I'm not, people were complaining when he brought in Luplo, but I was like, the guy's hot. What are you going to do? I I don't know. It's just the Indians are. Well, uh, I think I think it's because the guy who he brought Luplo in for. Okay, still, like he's going to come back to reality. You got here to tell me so he's, he's he starts off five for five, and I understand it was for well, Naylor. I mean, with he, four extra base hits, right? I know, but are we sure the guy's going to keep it going? Like, that's another thing, and it's not like his thing didn't work. It worked. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But in the moment before it works. You know, it doesn't work until it works. You know, For I mean, sure. if Luplo goes up there and, and grounds him back to the pitcher, hits a, a pop fly to shortstop, then he looks like a, an idiot. And well, uh, you would you know, just it, think that Naylor maybe would have got a hit off a lefty, but you don't know that could have happened either. I guess you're just rolling with the on a hand, but right. I don't know. The Indians are at a major crossroad, and it doesn't help that their alleged face of the franchise is bad at 190. The last two years was runners in scoring position, so he could get out of here. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to end the Frankie Lindor era in Cleveland. All right, I've had enough. I've had enough. He's the leader of the team, and we've lost eight playoff games in a row. I've had enough. I think it's like the Rangers. You remember when they lost game six? You needed a clean house with all those guys? Yeah. I think we need a clean house with everybody that lost game seven, except for Jose. Yeah, no, he he, that guy is good. And he's so unassuming. He reminds me of Juan Uribe. Like, that's who he reminds me of. Juan Uribe got hit in the balls on a grounder, and that's when he came in in 2015 or 2016 as a starter, and he's been good since. Yeah, so shout exactly. Thanks, Jules, for taking one for the team. <laughs> Seriously, like uh, that's what that's what reminds me. No, I, I think I remember that. I think I remember him him taking one, uh, take taking one and, and getting knocked out there in uh, in 2015. Well, why didn't Plezak start this game? Also, last week or on Monday, I I called him Pascal. I have no idea why, but I meant Plezak. Why didn't he start game two? Well, probably I don't know, but I think they probably wanted the veteran Carrasco into the starting it. Yeah, and I'm oh, I need answers from baseball on why they started that game when they did. Oh, because they stopped. They started and stopped. Yeah, like yeah. that was ridiculous. Just keep the tarp on the field and wait an extra hour. Yeah, like you could see the radar. The weather. This weather woman, Betsy Kling in Cleveland, was like, "It's going to literally start raining at seven fifty. Like, I don't know why they're playing right now, and it's going to be raining pretty hard. Just like that was rain delays in Cleveland. Whoever's in charge of it, they should be fired or they should be forced to answer questions. They need to be. They need to answer questions from 2016, and they need to answer questions from last night. Because I thought that was ridiculous for both teams. Yeah. Like, I mean, seriously, if you, you did, you see the picture of the radar? I didn't see the radar. No, because I got home right when they were starting the second inning. When they would, I mean. If you would have seen it, you would have been like, "What? What are they doing? Why are they starting this game?" I just, yeah. I, it doesn't make any sense. You've already put yourself in a fifty-five minute rain delay. Why not wait another hour? Yeah. Like, what's the big deal? I don't. I really don't understand that. Uh, but I'm. I would assume they wanted Carrasco in there for the veteran leadership, and I thought they. He was pitching well. He was off to a good start. It seemed like he was messed up at the mound. Yeah. I don't know. He kept. He kept. Every pitch he kept fixing the mound, and I think that was in his head. even that there, there was even a, a point where like he was he comes set and the batter called time and the catcher called time or something, and he came off the rubber and started fixing the mound again. It's like, like so, yeah, you the you, mound you was tell. clearly in his head, and he could, he, I think, he was too afraid to ask to change it or whatever. I don't really know, but it looked like the mound was in his head, but whatever. They probably they should, they still should have won the game, they shouldn't have walked 12 guys last night, but that's yeah, that's tough. That is tough, yeah. That's what happens. That's what happens. But all right, that's going to do it for us here. Uh, yeah, we'll be able to talk baseball. I mean, I guess the Marlins are never going to lose a postseason series. Could happen. Um, uh, unfortunately, the, uh, the Astros are moving on. The Twins just stink. They should. I think they need to be banned from the postseason for the next 10 years. Boy, did I really mush the Astros. Yeah. But how about Correa? Did you hear what he said? Yes. 
Dude, fucking idiot. Dude, we don't care. The, you, what did you prove to us? You beat the Twins. You scored four runs. You scored like six runs in the series. Yeah. Like you didn't And three of them on a throwing error. Yes. Like, you didn't prove anything to anybody. We, you, your averages are all bad. You've all been terrible hitters this year without whatever the electric feel. So what do you want? No one's rooting for you. Um, so I think, I mean, some self-deprecation at least, like some self-awareness, not even self-awareness, deprecation, awareness, self-awareness, whatever. They don't have, nice. they don't have anything of that down there. Yeah. Somehow they're moving on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the playoffs yesterday were great. I will tell you what, I was against the expanded postseason. I think I'm coming around to it. Now, if we get, if we get a day like this every, every season, I'm in for it. I would say this though. I think eight's too many, like seven. I think we need to cut it back one, like make it seven. I think six is good because then you can go one, three, one, three, five, seven. Oh, no, not even that. Maybe like 11, one, three, five, seven, but like six, every two yeah. hours. Six, you're going to have to give like two teams a bye to work out the bracket. Yeah. But I think seven, you could give the – there needs to be an advantage if you have the best record in the league for the whole season. So if you could get the number one team a bye, the other guys – the other teams play in the series, and you could still have a bunch of games going on because there has to be some advantage for the team that finishes first. And I think they also need to implement a rule of, like, if you're under 500, you just can't make it. We'll just yeah. void the spot or, like, we'll figure it out. because we'll the Put team in the next best above 500. Yes. And they shouldn't just automatically send the first two division winners in. It should be these. If you win the division, you're locked in. But next up, we're taking the five best teams. You could have a team, every team in a division make it if, if that's how it shakes out. But it shouldn't yeah. be. You finish second in the division, you're good. Like, they, that, that should not – they shouldn't do those auto – yeah. Auto spots. It should just five wild or what it would be four wild cards after that. No, oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you, division winner, you're in, and then best record after that. Yep, yep. All right, so that's gonna do it for us here. We'll be back on Monday to uh, recap the NFL weekend and uh, what else? What I mean, the playoffs. When did those ALDS and LDS start? Like next Tuesday or something? I think they got to get in the bundle. Monday. They start Monday. Yeah. Um, All right, so we'll take a look at those series going on there. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you again uh, on Monday.